Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Now, listen, they want me to say hello. Welcome to the James Well Best Bits of tonight's show. I wish you can hear every night, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio from 7 till 10. But I said, wouldn't it be best to call it the worst of whale? So have a listen. See what you think. The James Whale Show. Come praise the whale on Talk Radio. Um, official figures now report that 40,000 people have now died from the coronavirus in the UK. Uh, data released by the ONS, Office for National Statistics, shows 35,044 deaths in England and Wales by May the 1st. But when that is added to equivalent figures from Scotland and Northern Ireland, plus deaths in hospital in England between... Gosh, a very complicated way of doing it, isn't it? Mm. Uh, May the 2nd, May, uh, now stands 40,033. Uh, let's talk to Dr Anshman uh, Bagot, uh, NHS GP, medical, Chief Medical Officer at uh, GPDQ. .co.uk. GP? Yeah, well, what is GPDQ? Ask him. <laughs> what does it no stand idea. for? Doctor, good evening. Hello, good evening. How are you, both? We're all right, yeah. Well, you know, I've been moaning about my bad back, but... He took uh, too much Nurofen, but he's all right now. I didn't realise it would do you so much. Oh, well, yeah, you know... It's very serious. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, let's, uh, we don't want to talk about me all night. No. Well, I'd love to talk yeah. about me all night, but we better not. Yeah. Um, what, what was the... Po- I don't understand the point of, of these figures and telling everybody this, and, and I'm just not sure what this does every day except make people feel more desperate and more frightened. I mean, they did come up with a statistic today, Doctor, that since um, that since this virus started, uh, the amount of deaths in the country have been about, about 50,000 more than there would normally have been. And, um, and, and some years, uh, flu um, kills a lot more than that, doesn't it? Um, I think that I thought firstly, um, since you did ask, what does GPDQ stand for? It is a GP delivered quickly. So it's uh, (laughs) just can you um, pop round here after the show? um, Within 90 minutes, anywhere within the capital. Yes. So. Oh, no, um, I'm in Kent. Oh, we can we can probably do that in about two and a half hours. So look, it's um, <laughs> I, I think the rea- I think the reality on on figures, and I think we're all getting a little bit sort of um, you know, it's 
you know, it's part of the daily briefing. It's it's an informatic um, need that helps us understand the burden of the disease, um, but also potentially will guide on what measures that one needs to take. So I think mm-hmm. it, it, it is a useful figure, and I totally appreciate it. It, it, it is getting depressing. Um, uh, I'm very sad to hear these level of numbers, and certainly we're you know way far, pretty much ahead of everyone, anyone in Europe now. Um, so I think the challenges, I think all this highlights is that the challenges still remain and we've got to make sure that, uh, uh, you know, we haven't got full control of this virus yet. Um, I think the social isolation and the sort of lockdown measures that we've been all partaking in has absolutely helped. And, and you can, uh, we can certainly see that on the front line. We can certainly see it in hospitals. We have beds available. Uh, we have ventilators available. So, um, however, We've got to also take into the fact that, that there's been a huge proportion of the population that's been in self-isolation. So naturally, as you start to then and, and therefore not been exposed to this condition, which obviously mm. which was the whole purpose of it. But as we start to slowly sort of release the population in, in, in an organized fashion, um, that there is a risk that more and more people will start to potentially contract it. Now, Isn't that inevitable it, rather than a risk? It's inevitable. Um, it, it, well, it is. It is. And, but, but I think once you start to have control of the disease burden yeah. in society, so once the, the viral load, as in there's not, a, not everybody's out there, um, and, and those that are out there are practicing the sort of, all the sort of rules that, of, of let's say, stay, stay yeah. alert yeah. Um, mm. that, that we've been advised to do around... Um, you know, social distancing and wearing masks and, you know, wearing masks still remains a fairly interesting topic. And, I'm, I'm, you, yes. know, I'm, you know, you know we, we sometimes try and chase evidence, um, you know, but, but look, the, the reality is, is as a clinician wearing a mask, number one, you know, yes, I'm, I want to protect myself, but I'm also wanting to protect other people around me. And it just is a little bit of common sense. And I know sometimes we, we try to sort of chase huge amounts of evidence behind this, but, um, the reality is, is you're covering your mouth and your nose. And, exactly. you know, we can, we can talk about sort of uh, the effects of a simple surgical mask or, you know, lots mm. of people are making their own mask right the way through up to sort of and sort of FFP3 ventilated masks and all of these sort of things. So, look, I think the reality is, is I think we should be wearing masks um, where possible. Um, and certainly, you know, if you start to look at some of the pictures we're seeing on the underground, which, you know, really don't fill me with huge amounts of... Uh, no. No. Uh, you know, it's not good. There's a lot of people not without masks on the. Oh God! Well, yeah, I mean, the, the picture wear, I saw wear, a, wear a scarf or something around your face. Well, we had a virologist there. on yesterday, and we have they give different answers. The one yesterday said mm. no because you'll have virus all over the outside when you take it off. And I thought, well, yeah, but if if it's on the outside, if you wouldn't wear it, it would just be all over your face and mouth. Yeah, so, but like you, you said, don't wear one. It's, I do, I do wear one on the. Yeah, but on how the, often do you wash well, it? I've got different no, masks. No, you don't. I've got do other you? masks. I've got, but yeah, I mean, you just make it up. But it's surely, like you say, it's common sense because it's all about droplets getting in your system. We know that countries from other countries that are um, pursuing the the sort of route of well, look, everyone should wear masks. We know that they're faring a little bit better than us in terms of uh, um, disease spread. Um, and obviously, the less that this virus gets around, the less mortality that we see at the end. Uh, Dr. Ashman Baggett, NH- NHS GP, and uh, Chief Medical Officer at GPDQ.co.uk, which means what, Ash? General Practitioner. Uh, direct. Direct. I can't remember. 
No, I'm just checking. Anyway, uh, it's interesting how the the medical staff have so many different opinions, isn't it? Very, yeah, very interesting. Uh, uh, the James Whale Show. Come praise the whale on Talk Radio. Uh, David Else is a travel writer for Lonely Planet. Um, David, hello. Good evening. So we we very know lonely. we're not. Go- yeah, very lonely. So we know we're not going to be able to go on holiday foreign. I mean, most of us wouldn't want to get on an aeroplane anyway, I don't think. Yeah, absolutely. These are strange times. So we've got uh, the government minister you just mentioned, Matt Hancock. He's saying it's likely there won't be a normal summer holiday season. But yeah. at the same time, the government is starting to open up some areas. I mean, it's not including hotels and campsites yet, but who knows? Then you just mentioned Ryanair. They're planning on restarting um, a, 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 a large proportion of their flights in July, expecting mm. that there will be holiday traffic. So who knows which way it's going to go? Who runs the laws of the the planes? It doesn't come under British law, does it? Isn't it a separate? Well, I don't. The, the laws are one thing. I mean, we're still part of the EU as we speak. People have maybe forgotten that. With everything and the else. Civil Aviation Authority, are, don't we? Are, we, are, we come under the, the various EU directives, you know, for, for plane compensation and, 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 and air traffic control and that stuff. But the thing is, it, sort of laws or not, if nobody wants to fly, um, th- there's going to be empty planes and, and they cost money and, and you can't run a plane or you can't run an airline for that long until you've got passengers so the laws are one thing and as you've just said it's what are people going to do what are people going to mm. feel like doing that's what's going to be is he in denial the guy at ryanair then do you think i don't know he's a clever bloke i mean he, he runs in one of the most successful airlines in the world um he i'm guessing he knows what he's talking about so maybe he's mm. got a feel for how things are going to go none of us know and this is the key thing about this coronavirus we're talking about holidays now, and sometimes that seems a bit flippant when there's people, as you've just mentioned, who maybe haven't mm. got a job anymore and so on and so on. But the key point is, at the moment, we just don't know. And, no, and we're exactly. all waiting. We're going to see how things are in June or July or August, whether it's holidays, whether it's work, whatever it might be. But France, I mean, they're creating a bubble, we, aren't they, with France and Ireland? Yeah. And but we are, we are seeing that we perhaps don't need to fly all the time. Yeah. And some of these countries where we've gone for sunshine, you know, Spain and elsewhere, uh, people are not going to want to go again for a while. I think that's, that's certainly what a lot of the commentators are saying. Even if... Um, now, so here's what's going on, right? Some of the countries, some of them, the traditional holiday countries... Um, Not so much mainland Spain, but particularly the Spanish islands, Mallorca and Menorca, there are moves of that regional government to open up the holiday makers, not necessarily from the UK. It might be, but we don't know. Greece, Mm. as well, is very keen to get its tourism industry up and running. So you've got countries out there that are welcoming tourists or will be or proposing to welcome tourists. Then we've got us, the Brits, thinking, do we want to go? You've got to remember that even on top of that, the government advice at the moment, as it stands, is absolutely clear. It's on the government's own website. The FCO, the Foreign and Commonwealth Office, advises British nationals against all but Mm. essential travel. So, you know, before we talk about how you're going to feel, what you're going to do, that is what our government advises. If we go against that, we don't get travel insurance. To be honest, we won't get travel insurance for COVID-related stuff anyway. It is all 
up in the air. And the information, the advice I would give to everybody is stay on top of it. Absolutely get the latest information. Don't rely on something that you heard somebody say or it was on the, uh, some internet website or whatever it might mm. be. Get reliable information. And if it means we don't go on holiday, that's fine. If it mm. means we do, that's fine. But it has to be based on reliable information. I mean, what I thought we'd probably be doing staycations all over the place, but I'm not sure that that will happen either. I'm not sure people will go. They might will be prepared to sit in queues going to Devon and Cornwall and yeah. stuff like that. Mm. I think what what some of the um, holiday associations are saying, um, you, first of all, the associations that represent the overseas tour operators, ABTA, for example, they're very keen either to get the industry started up again or to get financial support from the government, as some other industries have got. But then the, the local UK-based um, associations, they are looking at the possibilities that if restrictions are relaxed slightly, it may, if we're going to be allowed to go to public places, for example, it might be OK to go to a beach, for example, not with everybody, not crammed, then we might still have the two metres apart. We just don't know. But that's an option. We might also see, and this is what some of the observers have been saying, we might see holiday cottages starting to open up again. Because if you go with your family anyway and you can social distance still, that might be a possibility. Um, David, uh, we're going to take a break for the news now, but uh, let's have a chat in a couple of weeks, see where we are then, shall we? Absolutely. Happy to come back any time. Good man. Okay. Uh, David Else, who's a travel writer for Lonely Planet. Thank you very much indeed. The James Whale Show. Come praise the whale on Talk Radio. Jonathan Davis. That's me. Ah, Jonathan. Yeah. There we are. (laughs) Sorry, Jonathan. It's uh, we're one of those days today. Um, Now, Jonathan is uh, uh, Jonathan Davis is an economist, aren't you? I am. And uh, I also present the podcast, the Booms and Busts podcast. <laughs> the, the Booms and Busts podcast. Yes. Um, that's that's not in your end, though. Booms and Bust. Well, And we're, 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 we're going into a big bust, aren't we? That's what's going to happen. Just uh, We're already in it. We're, in the, we're at the beginning of it, aren't we? It's the biggest recession since at least World War II. Yeah. And yeah. it's probably going to be worse, isn't it? Well... Sorry, I'm answering them. You're the economist, Jonathan. Carry well, on. Well, I'd be interested to hear what you say first, and then I'll correct you. Oh, OK. Uh, well, I, I think, you know, as it is worldwide, if mm. you like, this time, more or less, mm. uh, except, of course, China might bounce back quicker than any other country. Mind you, World um, War II did cost a lot, and we lost the empire, of course, as well. Well, that's probably so, a good thing. Yeah. Um, well, it's yeah, not going yeah. to seem quite as bad if the whole world is in it together or maybe i'm wrong no that's a good point yeah no i would entirely disagree with that um this furlough scheme which um ridiculously they've extended by four months uh today to the end of october it's just uh delaying the inevitable um when we eventually when the idiot politicians eventually reopen the economy um whenever that will be Um, Unfortunately, there are going to be tens of thousands of company bankruptcies Um, that will be delayed because of furlough, I'm sure. And no doubt that's what the politicians are thinking about. 
because uh, when furlough then does end or companies go bankrupt, I'm estimating there's going to be one and a half to three million more unemployed. Mm. And we're only two months in. Could you not do something to cheer us all up a bit, is that like, That's like the 80s, or is that even worse than the mid-80s when there was that massive unemployment? Um, the percentages will be less than the absolute peak in the early mid-80s, but you need to remember that um, the very high unemployment happened in two, over two years, and it rapidly dwindled by the end of the 1980s, whereas this, unfortunately, is going to be sustained. When we come out of lockdown, um, there will be an upsurge in the economy. We've had a massive 15% fall in the economy because basically far fewer people are going to work. So, of course, Mm. the economy crashes. There'll be a big upturn initially, but... Um, it will still mean that the calendar year 2020, I'm estimating, the size of the economy will be a good 5 or 10% smaller than 2019. And the economic growth from then, 2021, 22, 23, will be very slow because of the huge numbers of bankruptcies and uh, sustained unemployment. And indeed, of course, also, a lot of white-collar um, employees, relatively high pay, they will not be on relatively high pay. Indeed, they may be unemployed themselves. So aggregate income will be falling as well. It's not something we can be pleased about. And as far as I'm concerned, it wasn't something that we needed to have happened at all either. Yeah. How would we not have had it happen? What could, we have done? what could the government have done other than what they've done? Well, like Sweden... Well, for example, that's the only country in Europe that didn't lock down. But then you look at the Southeast uh, Asia, uh, South Korea, Japan, Taiwan, Hong Kong, Singapore, hardly sparsely populated countries, Mm. no lockdown, not the same effect on their economies. Um, You asked the question, how could we have done it differently? We could have um, used our brains and our common sense. We could have looked at people who have gone through viruses previously and we should have used their experiences rather than um, political uh, scientists um, who who just spew out nonsense uh, data, uh, not data, uh, estimations where there are severe questions and proven, now proven. For example, Sweden, um, Ferguson from Imperial College said there's going to be 100,000 deaths. The deaths are practically at zero now daily. They're going to have a maximum of four deaths. And that is very much a, a, a similar to other countries in Europe. And they haven't had lockdown. I'm going to have to yeah. leave you there, but fascinating. From uh, the Boom Jonathan and Bust Davis, podcast. Economist from the Boom and Bust podcast. Yeah. Um, we'll talk again soon. That was interesting, uh, wasn't what, it? Yeah. yeah, but I wonder what people think about that. A lot of people will be very annoyed. The James Whale Show. Come praise the whale on Talk Radio. That was uh, the clips for today. The worst of whale. Or sorry, sorry. The best of James Whale. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed them. Well, I suppose if you didn't enjoy them, you won't be listening, will you? Anyway, I'll be back seven o'clock until ten, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.